chapter 19 from verse 11. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. Am I reading the right place? Yes. So, that even his handkerchief or aprons were brought from his body on the sick, and the disease left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Amen. So we see the impact that Paul was doing during his time, that even things taken out of their body was healing the sick. And then, then some, verse 13 says, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, they also have something upon them, right? Took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exhaust you by the, Jew, by the Jesus from whom Paul preaches. Hallelujah. Now, these people don't have a relationship with Jesus. Even though they've heard about Jesus, they know that Jesus has power, okay? But they never have this intimacy with him. In fact, the grace of God has not shined upon them. Are we together? They've seen what the name of Jesus has done. Probably they may have experienced it in one way or the other. Maybe someone closer to them may have been healed by, by Paul and the disciples, the apostles. So they took it upon themselves to also do the same thing that Jesus, they, they saw Paul and, and Barnabas and others were doing. And... Verse 14 says, also there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Amen? Now, is the issue of identification. Hallelujah. As Pastor Cousin was trying to say that in the spirit realm, you are easily identified by how much you shine and what you shine. Amen? If the light in you is darkness, you can easily be identified. If the light in you is actually the light of God, you can easily be identified. So the sons of Siva, or Skiva, if you can call them, they were not having the original light, the light of God inside them. But they wanted to, they wanted to, they saw something greater than what they had. Amen? They saw something more powerful than what they had. So they wanted to also, you know, do the same thing that they saw the apostles do, did. And there was a question, who are you? Jesus I know. That is the evil spirit speaking, right? Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped, was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded, Hallelujah. And when Pastor Carson was talking about this, what this, the lie that came to me is that the reason why many of us, you know, are getting wounded, frustrated, is because we've not allowed, you know, that knowledge of Christ. We've not allowed that relationship that ought to be with Christ. You know, we've not allowed ourselves to grow. We've not allowed ourselves to be so intimate. We've not allowed the knowledge of God to be real in our lives. And it's quite unfortunate that 
is was a bit of a similar question that was asked to, to Moses about the issue of who are you, your identification, who are you, your identity. In Acts chapter 7, Yes, from verse 24. We read it last week. And seeing one of them suffered wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. Verse 25. For he supposed that his brethren will have understood that God would deliver them by his hands. But they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to, to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? And at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. Hallelujah. So we see here, almost similar, but you know, Moses here was not attacked. But There was underlining issue on ground that needed to be sorted out, particularly in the life of the individuals. Moses, as we saw last week, needed to reach a place where he is empowered by God to be able to shine the light, to do that very thing that God has called him to do. So also for all of us, I believe so much, you know, that if we will be able to reflect Christ for the world to see and to know that it is God who is at work in us, there is a need for us to do what? To be intimate, to be rooted in the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. So, by the grace of God, we're going to continue from where we started last week. But I'm going to take a very different dimension. Amen? It's going to take a different tone. We're going to focus on one particular thing. But then, we saw that while in Egypt, Moses discover and understood what his purpose was. And he had a full understanding of what the calling of God was upon his life in Egypt. And then he was full of what? He was full of passion, particularly for the people that God has called him to save, particularly for the people that God has called him to lead. And we also saw last time that Moses was very educated, right? And competent, physically fit, but then he has not been schooled in the, in, the, in the spirit. There are some certain things that God needed to walk out of his life or walk into his life that will empower him to do the assignment that God gave him. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 23 gives us a clue of his spiritual state. We saw it last time that he was not just a careless person. He had an understanding of God. He had an understanding of what it means to be in a relationship with God. The Bible says that he chose rather to suffer affliction with God's people, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So Moses was not living in sin. He wasn't living carelessly. He wasn't living deliberately in disobedience to God's, like God's leading in his heart. He esteemed the reproach of Christ, as Hebrews would say, rather than what? The greater treasures that are there in Egypt. 
And the Bible also said that by faith he left Egypt, not scared of what Pharaoh, you know, will do. He persists in faith as if he had seen God who is unseen. Hallelujah. So this was Moses in Egypt. But yet we discover that he wasn't able to properly execute or do that which God has called him to do. And then there are more. It says even though Moses knows God, he knows his purpose, there was need for him to be trained in the way of the Lord. Amen? There was need for him to what? To be trained in the way of the Lord if he must fulfill his purpose. And then he flee to Midian and dwell there for 40 years under Jethro, the priest of the Most High God. Hallelujah. So his moving to Midian is not only that, you know, he was running away from Pharaoh alone, but that in God's divine arrangement, it was an opportunity for Moses to be trained. It was an opportunity for Moses to learn about God, the living God. It was an opportunity for Moses to even learn what it means to, to be a leader. For David to learn how to lead people, you know, he was a shepherd. And he learned that true leading of the sheep in the bush, you know, protecting them, fighting against wolves, fighting against lions. And that credited, or that makes him able to, you know, lead people. God used that scenario or that experience in order to train him to become one of the greatest leaders in the history of Israel. And for Moses also to be able to lead people, definitely there's need for something. There's need for him to learn how to lead. Hallelujah. And sometimes it could be smaller things that go put in your place. In the course of the leadership training, we talk about faithfulness in the little. And God normally in his character will begin by giving you little things and seeing how you're going to handle those little things. They will give room for more that God will put in your care. So 40 years in Midian under Jethro emptied Moses of what? Of himself. And now we saw that he was ready to carry the power and the presence of God to do the things that God had called him to do. Amen. And I put a scripture today, Proverbs, Proverbs 25 verse 4, one of my favorite scriptures. Proverbs 25 verse 4. He says, take away the dross from the silver, and it will go to the silversmith for a jewelry. Hallelujah. Take away the dross from the silver, and what will happen? And there you will have a substance that a silversmith will use in order to produce a jewelry. But as long as the dross is on the silver, the silver has no use in the hand of the silversmith. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that the silver is not valuable. That doesn't mean that the silver is not, is not precious. It's precious, but as long as dross is on need, it's of no use to the silversmith. Hallelujah. So for God to be able to reach a place where he can use Moses, there are things in Moses' life that need to be removed. Dross has to do with any impurity, right? 
anything that is not part of the original substance. Gold is precious, but as long as gold is on the ground, it's of no use. It has to be what? To be mined from the soil. And when you remove it from the soil, what do you do? You take it to the refinery, and then it is refined, and impurities are removed from it. And the degree of the heat that the, the, the substance, either silver or gold, will go through, it was determines is what? Its quality, its preciousness, even the value and the price that is attached to the gold or to the silver. And then the smith, who is in the factory, has now has substance that he can mold into a shape that will fit into his purpose. Amen? And in this context, the smith is Jesus Christ, is God himself. Unless he has worked on my life, unless he has removed substances that are a limitation to me, I cannot be molded into what? Into substance that will, be, that will bring glory and honor to him. Hallelujah. Crude oil is of no value to a car in its crude form unless it is what? It is distilled into different substances. Even though it's valuable, it's precious, but it has to be taken to the refinery. And then it put on the line, and then it passed through heat, and then different substances are removed, and then it can be rightly used for a proper use, for a proper purpose, or whatever it is, kerosene, petrol, or whatever, diesel, or whatever they want to remove from it. But in its crude state, I can tell you that you can't fetch that and put it in your car. Hallelujah. But unfortunately for many of us, of course we are precious. Of course there's so much potential in us. Of course there's so much investment of God in us. But unless we allow God to walk through our lives and bring out the substances, things that are not needed, excesses, and add valuable things in our lives, we cannot be believers or Christians that will be able to shine the light in our own generation. So Moses moved from being a prince in the, in the most powerful nation on earth to tending sheep of, the, of Jethro, the priest of Midian, from that place that seems to be very, very, you know, glorious to nothing. Hallelujah. And unless we are willing to come down at where, wherever we are and acknowledge that there's a need, of, there's, there's need for God to work on our lives, we cannot effectively execute the plan and the purpose of God in our lives. Now, God has provided us with everything to succeed. Hallelujah. God has given us everything we need to succeed in order to fulfill purpose. There's every provision. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, as his divine power has given to us, he's talking about believers here, Believers, those who have come to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they have the Holy Spirit in them. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertains to life and godliness, through what? Through the knowledge of him who call us by glory and virtue, by which we have given, by which have been given to us exceedingly, Great and precious promises that through this you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption 
that is in the world through lust. Hallelujah. Now, verse 3 particularly, he says he has given us by his divine power, God has given us everything. And part of the things that God has given us is that he has given us what? To succeed on the earth, he gives us eternal life. He gave us his presence, the seal of the Holy Ghost. He gave us his word, the Bible, the scriptures. Amen? Now, when we say God has given us everything, most of the times what we're thinking is, is, is physical things. What we're thinking is money. What we're thinking is houses. But if it is money and houses that God has given us, as we used to say, you know, we don't need God to get those things. Hallelujah. If that is all that God has given us, if this is a divine, what his divine power has given us, then I, I, I so much believe that there are, there are other ways we can get those things. God didn't try. Hallelujah. But he gave us what? He gave us eternal life, that which is, cannot be compared to anything. There's no amount of money that you can pay. That is why it is free. It's free. It has a cost, of course. which is the cost of the life of Jesus Christ, right? But then, to us, it's free. It's free of charge. It's not only subsidy, but it's free. Hallelujah. So, God gave us free eternal life. And then he gave us his presence, the seal of the Holy Ghost, in order for us to achieve purpose, in order for us to execute his will on earth. He gave us eternal life. He gave us his, himself, his presence. He gave us his word. He gave us a medium to communicate with him. The gift of prayers is a gift. Hallelujah. He gave us prayers and what? Spiritual gifts to assist us. He gave us people. He gave us men. You and I are a gift one to another. Amen? Moses could not fulfill purpose on his own. There was a need for a death row for him to be trained. And even when God called him, there was a need for Aaron, right? To assist him in ministry or in the leadership. So we are a gift one to another. So God has lavished us with everything we need to fulfill purpose. Moses took advantage of the mentorship, discipleship in bracket, if you can call it, with Jethro until he become or he became the man God wanted him to become. Hallelujah. So what I want us to understand today, or to focus on the few minutes we have, is about mentorship. Amen? How important is mentorship to fulfilling the purpose of God in your life? How important is mentorship to shining, to living an effective Christian life, generally? Countless in history, when we look through history, we look at the men that, that became valuable and changed the course of time and changed history are men that have men over their lives that were trained and they became what they were because they were under leadership, they were under guidance, they were under direction. Hallelujah. Even the apostles we see in scriptures, they were all men that what? That passed through mentorship into what they became. Denzel Washington says something. He says, show me a successful individual. He's not a pastor. Yes. He says, show me a successful individual, and I'll show you someone who had real positive influence in his life or her life. 
Anybody that becomes successful in this world must have been influenced by another person. There must be a sense of influence, a positive influence upon his life. If you cannot see where you are going, ask someone who has been there before. Amen? That's another quote by Lauren Norris. And then my favorite, John C. Maxwell, he says something. He says, one of the greatest values of mentors is the ability to see ahead what others cannot see and to help them navigate a course to their destination. Hallelujah. And one of the difficulties we have in our own time right now is that young people, I, most of us, are not willing. We are not willing to be under people that have gone ahead to learn so that we can now be equipped and empowered to fulfill the calling of God upon our lives. Either be it in career, either be it in business, either be it in even your education. I, I, I was listening to the teaching we had, and I, I, I heard what Pastor Chidi said, and I, I, I heard the record again. He said something that even in the course of your studying as a student, are you looking up to anybody? In that field, in that mechanical engineering you're doing, are you looking up to anybody? Is there anybody, even in that field, that you're looking up to as a mentor that is motivating you, that is, is, is an inspiration to you? When we go to your Facebook likes and we see the kind of things you like, does it point you towards, does it, does it speak about where you're going to with your life? You're scrolling down on your status and then you say you want to be, a, you want to be, you want to be a businessman. And whenever you see something else to do, even business news, you don't read. You don't even want to see business news. You jump it. You go for celebrity news. It only shows that you have a long way to go, right? And you, we can't be great that way. Hallelujah. We can't, we can't, we can't be excellent in this world like that. It's not possible. Amen? Google Scholar said we stand on the shoulders of others, right? <laughs> Amen. You have to reference others. That is why it is needed for a literature review. Amen. But you want to rise, but you don't want to reference anybody. You want to excel in life, but you don't want to be under. You, you, you want to invent something new. There's nothing you're going to do in this life that has not been done. Amen? There's no amount of anointing you can carry in this life that has not been carried by somebody else. So, therefore, it's better and it's easier for us to do what? To submit ourselves under people that have gone ahead of us. That we will learn and go far. Amen? What is mentorship? It's a relationship in which an experienced person assist someone in developing specific skills and knowledge. Very specific. Very specific. Not just any kind of skill you acquire, but it's specifically in the direction of where you're going to. That will enhance the less experienced person. Which means that there are two people involved, right? One is a mentor who is ahead, and one is a mentee who is behind. Once you don't understand this relationship, I'm coming here to learn from you. 
I'm not the boss here, right? You are the boss. I'm coming here to, to learn from you. Once you don't understand the, the, the nature of this relationship, you can't learn from somebody. So, the less experienced person's professional and personal growth. This process involves a system of semi-structured guidance, whereby one person, that is a mentor, shares his knowledge. What does he share? He shares his knowledge, his skills, and experience to assist those Others to progress in their own lives and careers. Amen. So the end point is that you will progress, if possible, even higher than the person that you are, is mentoring you. Hallelujah. But then you, you need to get his experience. You need to, 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 to understand the, the path of success in that line of, of, of discipline, in that business, in that, in, that, in, that, in, that, in that era that you believe God is leading you to. Hallelujah. Now, the process of mentoring can be on a short-term arrangement until the original reason for the partnership is fulfilled or ceases, or it can last many years. Amen? Depending on the nature or depending on what you want to achieve in that mentorship program. Hallelujah. And people in the world, they are wise. Amen? And you know what? The reason why they are excelling is because they are actually standing on the shoulders of others. What about us in the kingdom? It is more than giving advice. Some of you come to us and then you say, sir, I want you to mentor me. But you, want, you come with your own opinion. Right? And then you want to decide the curriculum of the mentorship. Amen? As though you are coming to ask for advice and then you are interchanging that for mentorship, that is not what it is. It is more than just giving advice or passing on what your experience was in a particular area or situation. It's far beyond that. It is about motivating. It's about empowering the other person to identify their own issues and goals. Right? To identify your own issues and your goals. And helping them to find ways of resolving or reaching them. Obviously, not by doing it for them or expecting them to do it the way I did it, you know, but by what? By understanding and respecting different ways of working. Hallelujah. So, this is one of the things that is involved in mentorship. It's about motivating, it's about empowering, it's about sharing your experiences your failures, your successes, where you failed before, where you've excelled before. So what are the benefits of a mentorship relationship? What are the benefits of a mentorship relationship? Who can help us from all that I've said till now? I believe so much that we could have heard some things, right? What are the benefits of a mentorship relationship? Someone can just chorus it. Hmm? Growth. Okay, we grow. It helps us to grow, yes. We achieve excellence, okay. It helps us avoid some mistakes, right? Guidance, okay, guidance enables us to avoid mistakes, yes. It's a catalyst. 
Mm? It helps the process to be faster, right? It makes the process smoother and faster. Hallelujah. Now, if you want to excel, if you want to shine the light, if you want to become something tangible and important in this life, in whatever aspect of your life that you are growing, even in, in family, mm? if you want to have a good godly family, look for someone to mentor you. Look for people that have experience and that you can see that these people have, have the result. That you can ask questions. That you can learn from. If you're into a business, area of business, look for people that have succeeded in that area of business and ask questions. And be under leadership, be under guidance that you will grow in that aspect. Because there are many pitfalls that you avoid. Amen? We learn from the mistakes of others. That is when experience becomes a valuable asset for us. Hallelujah. We don't have to make mistakes before we learn. But we can learn and leverage from the mistakes that others have made. So, mentoring relationship gives you the ability to gain practical advice. Some of us, what we carry in classroom are theoretical knowledge. All right? About the subject matter, about the topic, about even the, the course that we're doing is theoretical. In medicine, before you graduate as a medical doctor, you must go and be mentored. You do one year, they call it what? Housemanship. You are under a doctor. Even when they give you a certificate, for you to even become anything, you must be under another medical doctor for years. Under a consultant. Amen? Because they believe so much that you, can, you don't have it all. You don't have the experience. You don't have all it takes. In fact, much of the learning begins when you are in the hospital with a consultant. That's when you actually become a medical doctor. Amen? So there are practical advice we get, encouragement that is necessary, and there is necessary support system to grow. Our brother said growth, right? It's very, very important. It gives you room to learn from the experience of others, their failures and what, and their success. We are easy to see how beautiful. Somebody say he built a business, he built this, he built that, but I'm telling you, you don't know the story behind that success. So in mentorship relationship, you come into closer contact with this person. And the person is all able to give you secrets how he did it, how he failed, and how he navigated through failure. Because whether we like it or not, failure will come in one way or the other. Whether you say it's not my portion, in Jesus' name it will come. Amen? Because you know what? It's part of growth. It's part of growth. If you've not failed in something, right, and then rise, in, rise up again and continue in it, you will not be able to be sustained in that thing, even if you are at the highest level of excellence. But we can, we can learn from the failure of others and navigate some pitfalls that will help us to sustain ourselves. Maybe we're going to define what failure is <laughs> one of these days. Increase your social and professional self-confidence. Mentorship helps you to develop your communication, interpersonal relationship skills, thereby knowing how to speak and be heard. Right? This is one of the advantages of being in a mentorship relationship where you're able to speak and express. A good mentor will give you room to speak to know what is inside you. And then you're able to communicate the ideas, how you see them, how you perceive them. Thereby, you know, You've been corrected and guided and, 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 give, and given guidance the right path. 
you are able to develop str strategies for dealing with both personal and professional issues. That is an advantage of, what, of a mentorship relationship. Through mentoring, you will gain valuable insight into the next stage of your career. And you are able to identify goals and establish a sense of direction for your career and other developments. Mentorship provides an important networking contact for, men, for the mentee. How you can build a contact of people in, the, in the, that business, that, that industry, is through the relationship you establish with someone that is already ahead of you in that area of, of endeavor. So if I'm going to be in the mechanical engineering industry, then being with a mentor gives me a leverage to have contacts, right? of people that are already there, it makes it easier. You know, because of the relationship established with him, he can open doors for you into having other people that will be a blessing and enrich your life. Hallelujah. Through mentoring, you will gain valuable insight. Okay, I've read that place, right? Educates the mentee on how to accept feedback in important areas such as technical abilities, change management, and leadership skills. All these are things that can be learned where, during a mentorship relationship. Mentorship helps the mentee to better understand the industry culture and spoken rules. You know, there are some things that are traditions that you can never know them. In fact, you can never be taught those things in the classroom. It's only when you are on the field that you understand that when they say A, hey, it means A and B. There's a culture in that sphere of endeavor that you can only understand. There are unwritten rules and protocols that can only be understood in the course of a mentorship relationship. Both of, both of which are critical for your success in that industry. Hallelujah. Now, this is the wall. Right? This is in the natural. This is in the physical. This is living on earth and being effective on earth. Are we together? Now, in the kingdom of God, we call it what? We call it discipleship. Are we together? And then, if we will be effective in the kingdom of God, as much as we think that success is the same principle. Are we together? It's the same principle. The approach, the appropriate kingdom system God has established in coordinating and achieving the purpose, his purpose on earth is true discipleship. Amen? It's true word. It's true discipleship. And then discipleship is God's family teaching scheme. It's God's family program he uses in training his men. Hallelujah. So in this church, if you hear us mention and stressing on the concept of discipleship is because that's what God has opened our eyes to see as a solution or as how young men or young people can be raised in this kingdom. For an heir who is a child to be brought into his inheritance, when we read that Galatians 4 verse 1 and 2, he's kept under training and tutelage till he grows to walk into the heritage of his father. Amen. Now, the context of this is talking about the law, right? Many of us are Bible students. He's talking about the law as a, as, a, as a mentor, as a teacher. 
but we can take inferences from it. Right? It's a principle there for us to learn. Discipleship involves discipline and training of character. Amen? Taking it back to the life of Moses. There was therefore a need for him to be trained in character. He was an impulsive person. He acts by impulses. You think that the best way to do it is to kill. But there was therefore a need for a development of character. And the system that can help in developing character is discipleship. The tutors and the governors are men and women appointed by God our Father to watch our, over our growth and development until we become like what? Like his son. That is the goal of what discipleship. To become like Jesus Christ. That is the goal of discipleship. And not to partake of this family training scheme is to grow wild and become a bastard. That is what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 to 11, that is what he says. That for you to say, I'm not going to partake in this system that God has created in this kingdom. The only way to become influential on the earth, the only way that the kingdom of God will have influence on the earth is through this instrument of discipleship. And for you to say, that I don't want to be discipled, it means that you, are, you want to be a wild child of your father. In fact, you are saying that I don't belong to this family. You are saying that I, I renounce my membership of God's family. That is what it means. Hallelujah. So it is crucial that we, 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 we subject ourselves to God's system for uplifting men. Amen? Nobody will become great in this kingdom. There's no man in the scriptures we can check any character in the Bible that has become mighty in the hand of God that has not been discipled in one way or the other. And for us, in this generation, for us to be effective, for us to be influential, for us to shine the light this year and continuously, our own curriculum cannot be different. Are we together? Our own system for, for becoming great will not be different. Amen. There are biblical examples. Elijah and Elisha is a practical example for us. Elijah, Elisha was into something, right? He was into something that was okay for him. He was into agriculture. And then he left. The Bible says that he left what he was doing to pour water in the hands of Elijah. Why would he step so low from owning his business, doing his life? His life is moving for him. You know, the most, the most, the most, the most successful, perfect gentleman in town, running his business peacefully, enjoying life. And then there's a passion in him. And he saw a man that has not even place to lay his head. And then he left everything he had and followed a man to be carrying his bag and pouring water. And then the end story is that he got a double portion of what? Of what was upon Elijah. But many of us want double portion. We don't know the cost that lead to him where he can be trusted with a double of what is upon Elijah. Hallelujah. So, Elisha and Gehazi is another example of a discipleship relationship. Amen. I so much believe that Gehazi will have carried double of what is of Elisha. <laughs> Amen? Maybe we can study that character. Right? It's another example of what? Of a discipleship relationship. And you what? He did some good things. Sometimes we only see, the only thing we know about Gehazi in the scriptures is leprosy. <laughs> Amen? 
The disciples of Jesus Christ, of course, they were called disciples because they learned under Christ three and a half years. And the Bible says that they turned their world upside down. Hmm? That wasn't because they, they were unlearned men. That was how they were described in Acts, in Acts, right? But the Bible says that they turned their world upside down. They are the ones causing confusion in this, in this vicinity. Because they've been with Jesus. Because they've been trained, they've been equipped and empowered with the Holy Ghost. Paul and Timothy is an example. Now, making disciples is the mission of the church. It's the mission of the church. Hallelujah. The disciples are authorized by Jesus Christ in this scripture, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20. When we read, we'll see that the disciples were authorized by Jesus Christ to go and do what? And replicate. Amen? That is the goal. That is, that is the mission of the church. The church on the move is a church that does what? That produces the disciples. So if you are here in, the, in this church and then you are not, you are not being transformed into a disciple or you are not becoming like Christ or you are not aligning with all the instruments and the resources that God has put in place for you to, to be transformed, then you are not fulfilling the purpose for the church. Disciples are made and not born. Hallelujah. When you are born again, doesn't mean that you are a disciple. Amen? Being born again does not automatically mean that you are a disciple. So disciples are what? They are made and not born. Making involves what? Systematic process. What does it mean to be systematic? Layer upon layer, stage by stage, chronologically. Amen? When you miss one step, and you put another step on top, it will collapse. So the system is, in fact, is systematic. You arrange one layer upon another. There are basic things that need to be on the floor, then you add up things. But you know, unfortunately for us today, we want to be at the top. We want to jump space and avoid every delay, everything that is under, and then we want to just find ourselves at the top. But it's not like that, unfortunately. Amen? This is God's system for lifting men. And we must know, we must arrange, we must align ourselves with God's system. God will not change the rule on you. He won't change it on me. He won't change it on his eternal system. It's something that is eternally, you know, programmed by God for our what? For our benefit. So it involves what? Making involves systematic process of discipline. Discipline and what? Training. Training is not, is not, is not palatable. Training is not sweet to the body. Amen? Training is not, is not comfortable. You can't be comfortable under training. But when you remember the goal of the training, you are, you are able to persevere. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, in his mind, thinking about the goal, he forsook the pain, he forsook the shame, he forsook everything that was, that was, that was in his presence because he, his eyes on what? On something glorious. Hallelujah. And it's to bring us to glory. And was willing to forsake everything. So also is training. Hard work. And what? And time. Time is a, is a very vital factor in discipleship. Because disciples are not made in a day. Amen? True disciples are not made overnight. If you want an overnight process, it doesn't work like that. You want to just start today and then tomorrow you're a champion? It's not like that. Hallelujah. It's a process, 
that takes discipline, that takes training, that takes hard work, and takes time. Until you've been discipled, you cannot make disciples for Christ. Amen? Many of us want to have platforms, which is okay. We want to have disciples following us. It's okay. It's not, it's not bad. It's a good thing. It's an honorable thing. But for you to command people's loyalty, for you to command people's followership, you must also have been a follower. If not, you are not qualified to do what? To, follow, to be followed or to be listened to. Without proper discipleship, you are not able to represent Jesus Christ properly. You will make an attempt, but it won't be proper. Just like the sons of Siva. Skiva. They wanted to do something in the name of Jesus Christ that Paul preached. It's not their own Jesus Christ. It's the one that Paul used. It's like charm for them. Because they've used other sources. They've used other resources. And they saw that this one is, a, this one is the latest one in town. You know, let us tap into this. But it's not like that. Hallelujah. We must seek to be true disciples of Jesus Christ and be under people that God has placed above us to help us to grow into what he wants us to be. Hallelujah. The disciples of Jesus Christ, the disciples of Jesus Christ have to spend over three years with him, learning and growing into what? Into maturity. Right? Now, disciple makers are not born. I said disciples, people don't, people don't become disciples overnight, right? Or they don't grow into maturity overnight. Now, if you want to make it, if you want to be a disciple maker, right? You are not also born. But you are made through discipleship itself. Amen? They can honor you. They can honor you with a doctorate degree in the world. They can call you doctor and we have to ask, which doctor is it? Is it medical doctor? Or a native doctor? <laughs> or a doctor with PhD? We, we, we have to ask which doctor, right? Doctor of what? But in the spirit realm, you can't be given honorary promotion or whatever it is. You have to be a disciple yourself. And the instrument to becoming a disciple maker, you want to make men, you want to win people, you want to raise people for Christ. You yourself have to be raised in the same system that you want to implement in the life of people. Hallelujah. That is a way to influence. These men had careers. That is the disciples, right? Jesus said, follow me. To become fishers of men, we must first begin by following the leading and the teaching of Jesus in every area of our lives. And one of the fundamental things that he has placed for us is the concept of discipleship. And I will make you. Follow me and I will make you. It is following, in following Jesus that is able to make you into instruments for fishing and making other men. The making process involves a lot of dis discipline. I've said this before. Discipline, teaching, training, practicals. Sometimes we see in scriptures that you will send them to go and do evangelism, go and cast demons. They do some practicals. Sometimes you are exposed to trials and you will definitely be tempted. Hallelujah. 
and sometimes you will fail, and sometimes you will succeed. But the end point is to becoming someone that God can entrust with the life of others, to becoming someone that God can, 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 can take glory in your life. Hallelujah. That is the end goal. So there is a process. Amen. So ambition is good. Having a dream of becoming great is good. But you know that you can become great by daydreaming. Right? Actually, say, what will make me great? What is the secret of greatness? What is the secret of becoming that spiritually matured person? Oh, you know, I'm not consistent in prayers. I'm not consistent in fasting. I'm not consistent in this. I want to become like this person. I want to become like that person. It's not, it's not a praise. And you know what? You want it fast. You want it quick. You want it as, as swift as possible. But you don't want to leverage on others that have gone before. Others that God has helped and blessed them at where they are so that you can learn and be better. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 to 4. Let's read this scripture as we close. I believe God is opening our eyes to these principles, right? And as we begin to talk about purpose deeply, I believe so much that we'll, we'll take advantage of everything that God has given us. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. It says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. The day is people. And it can be you. She's asking me, what, who are the day? It can be you. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, what will they do? Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. Amen? Because you know what? They don't want to hear because it's like, isn't this, 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 this thing you are telling us, isn't it hard? Do you know that Jesus Christ, it is a point where some people that were following him, right? They asked, they said, this thing this man is saying, how can, how can you say we should eat your flesh and drink your blood? <laughs> These things are hard teaching. And the Bible says that many deserted him. Right? Because see, becoming a disciple is not luxury. Are we together? And then Jesus Christ turned to the disciples, the 12, because there were many disciples. So he turned to the 12. He said, ah, how far? Are you not also going? Then Peter, who is their class captain? <laughs> who is their representative? Who is their mouthpiece? Is their PRO, actually? He said, he said, on to whom shall we go? For you have the what? The word of life. Hallelujah. So we must have this mentality. Right? We must have this mentality if we will become true disciples that God will leverage on our lives to bring glory to his name upon the earth. Amen? Because you see in this generation, everybody is looking for teachers, but teachers that will suit his own comfort, teachers that will fit his own principle and his own ideology. You don't want the ideology in you to be, to be confronted with the truth. You rather look for people that will align with what you have inside you. Ah, see, ah, this is the word. But you don't know that it's embedded. 
But you want it to what? To become part of, you, you, just, you just love it because it makes sense to you. The moment it, it, it confronts your ideology, you, you are angry, you are bitter, you, 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 you rebel, you fight it. Amen? And you are not willing to, to go. And I pray that God will open our eyes to this truth. Because you see, what God is doing here, he's raising generals here. And you are one of them. Hallelujah. You listening to me here, you are one of them. Amen. Amen. So, allow God to walk in your life, to turn you into what he wants you to become. Hallelujah. I said there are many unauthorized. Okay, I said many people want to be influential in this kingdom without following the right process designed by God. There are many unauthorized, unqualified, and untrained young men trying to make disciples. Unless you are made, you cannot be used by God to make others. The only way you can be authorized is when you've been made. It says until the day set by what? By the Father, right? God is the one that will authorize you. And when God has authorized you and he has launched you into fully manifesting who he has called you to become, people will know. You don't need to go and then please share this video, like this video. People, don't even, people will follow you <laughs> without looking for followers. Hallelujah. I don't want to say some things. <laughs> Are you under governors or tutors and teachers whom God has given to train and equip you for that which he has created you for? It's a question I want you to think and ask. Ask yourself, right? Because you cannot be the first God will use without passing through the kingdom family training scheme. That's what I call it. So it is time to align yourself to his family training program of making disciples. You can either be a disciple or in the act of making disciples, you cannot be anywhere. Does that make sense to you? You are either making disciples or you yourself, you are being discipled or else you'll be nowhere. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this truth. Thank you for this truth. I don't know what God has related, has, has deposited in you this evening. But as cool as and as simple as this message is, it should strike quotes in your heart. Say, Lord, help me. Ask God to help you. <laughs> 